Beloved of the Lord. I wonder if we could just take a minute to take a deep breath in and then a deep breath out. Sort of one of the prayers has been, uh, I've been using all week long is this breathing in the word be and breathing out the word loved and breathing in the word be and breathing out the word loved. Yeah, that's where we stand. You are the beloved of the Lord. He loves you, with you, a friend. (laughs) With us here together, with us in our worst and at our best, we are the beloved. Nothing more, nothing less. There's actually nothing more I could achieve than to be the beloved of God, and there's nothing I could lose because I am the beloved of God. Mm, What a posture. What a week. So those of you who are um, locally here and from the meeting house and all of the parishes, this has been a difficult week, Uh, a a week of uh, some bad news, some damaging news, some uncomfortable news, some feelings of uncontrolled outcomes, um, all sorts of things going on within us. I guess the best definition I felt like the Lord gave me as I was praying all week long is uh, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And it feels like a shaking. And those of you who are joining us for this challenge, this Christmas challenge, so that's 90 other churches from 33 different countries tuning in as well today. And uh, you know this too, whether or not you're locally aware of some of the tumultuous uh, situation that we're in locally, this is true uh, of our culture, of our world. Everything that is and can be shaken will be shaken. And we've been experiencing that in our own lives for probably two steady years of shaking. And this week is no different in many ways. It's more shaking. And what's going on? And I felt like this from the scripture, just before we jump into Mary and her example of what to do when everything that can be shaken is being shaken, what we can do and the posture of that and why that might matter most in our lives right now. Wow, could there be a title of a message that is more appropriate for this week than what matters most? Wow, the Lord is gracious to us and good to us and showing up to us all the time if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. So as the beloved of God, let's just have a peek at this scripture. It's from Hebrews chapter 12. And this is what I've been praying this week specifically and what I felt the Lord uh, gave me to share. It's this juxtaposition of what was and what is. And this is uh, from the Hebrews. It's really two religious people. It's two Jewish people. And uh, this, this book, trying to explain what it is that God's up to in the world in these days. So here it is. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness or gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. For example, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that even Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, that's Jesus, whose names are written in heaven. 
You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than any other word. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Just pause there for a second. I want you to repeat this word, so that. What? That's terrible. <laughs> repeat this word, so that. So that. Do it again, so that. So that. Okay, let me just, I think you fell asleep there in the reading of scripture. I won't hold it against you. So that, right? So that what can, it's keener, keener in the front here. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what are we receiving? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Whew. Okay, so just a real quick uh, recap of this, and, and I'm not gonna spend too, too long on this. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share this specific word to this specific situation. God is inviting people to move from an old thing to a new thing, from an old covenant to a new covenant, from like this like fear uh, and this uh, uncertainty about God to this familiarity with who God is. And the way sometimes that God does this, the way that this happens, actually, the way that this happens in our lives is, is there's a shaking. There's a shaking of all the things that we thought we were sure of, of all the things that we thought we could control, of all the things that we thought we had in line or whatever it is in your life where the shaking is happening. There's a shaking so that what is not shaken will be revealed. And this is one of those moments, people, this is one of those moments to allow Christ, the foundation, to allow Jesus, this new covenant where we no longer have to be afraid because we know what is sure. We know where we can land. We know who the rock is. We know where the solid ground is. The scripture calls it this in the New Testament, the cornerstone of all things. The thing that cannot be shaken is Jesus. And finding our place there is actually the pursuit of our lives. This is what it means to be Jesus-centered. And there has never been a more important time in our world or in our current situation to be Jesus-centered than now. Would you find the Jesus who cannot be shaken in your life right now as all the other things are shaking? This is what I'm praying, God, that you would help us find you, the one who cannot be shaken. You know, in the picture that, that uh, you have come to Mount Zion, I love this imagery also because my, my eldest son is named Zion. So I've done a lot of work on Zion. <laughs> And this imagery, if you haven't seen the matrix, they do it here well, that the last living city is the city of Zion, of humans who have unplugged from the matrix and are really alive and have overcome. This is that you know, revelation, that picture of Zion where the sun rises. Do you remember last week we talked about how we could only just see when the sun rises, we see first the glimmering lights and then when the sun finally rises, it's like blazing. So in Revelation, it talks about the city of Zion where the sun rises, which is Jesus, Jesus on the throne 
throne is the son. We won't even need the son. That's how light, that's how much light he bears, his being. And before the throne are like hundreds of, that, like there are people that can't even, a multitude that cannot be counted, dressed in white, finely cleansed and whole from every tribe and every nation in unity before the throne. And they're saying, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Is there a better picture of centering Jesus than that final Mount Zion, right? Where everything else has been shaken. They've come out of a great persecution. Everything else, they've been cleansed. They've been healed. They've been made whole and they're centered in front of Jesus. He takes the center place. He becomes the sun. He blazing with light and glory and the response of the people is worthy is the lamb. They're not even thinking about their person. They're worthy is the lamb. The center person is Jesus. And all the other things are shaken. There is one thing that remains and he's at the center of everything, Jesus. And this church has always said that that Jesus is the center, that Jesus is, that we're a Jesus-centered people, that we're a Jesus-centered community, that we're a Jesus-centered church, and now's the time. And now's the time to know that, to live that, to experience that. Now's the time more than ever before. Yeah. And there actually is, believe it or not, someone that can help us with this in the Christmas narrative. Now, I wanna give a little bit of a, just a trigger warning for people. This is always hard. We're gonna focus on Mary. And I've entitled this, What Matters Most, The Labor of Surrender. And I know it's difficult when we're talking about birth and uh, all the things around birth. It's, it can be a really difficult subject for people who have struggled with grief in that area. So I just wanna give a trigger warning and also say, I understand this can be really complicated and difficult as a subject, but there's so much that needs to be learned. I think that we can learn from Mary as somebody who received Christ, as somebody who decentered everything else in her life to center the person of Jesus. As someone who, as a human prototype in many ways of what it would mean to bear Christ, I think it's uh, worthy of study. So we're gonna look at Mary and the labor of surrender. This is from Luke's Gospel, chapter two. And uh, there is a beautiful painting by Betty Dickinson. We're gonna have a conversation actually on Wednesday just to talk through uh, the art and how she got to this place from Luke's gospel, from the passage we're talking about. And this is the Annunciation where the angel comes to Mary and says, you have been highly favored. You know, this is, this is what God says to you. You will bear a son. And she says, how could this be? And he says, the Holy Spirit is gonna do this. And you can trust me, I'll be with you. You don't have to be afraid. So this is that moment uh, in time in the scripture of the Annunciation. And now we're gonna flip to Luke chapter two. And I want you to read this with me, okay? So even if you're at home and you're just like sipping a coffee right now in your pajamas, I get it. Uh, but I want you to read this out loud. Would you, could we read this out loud together? So here we go. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So this passage of scripture right here, you know, three verses, and actually really only one of them dedicated to the actual birth of Jesus. 
I'm, 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 I'm very certain that this description of the birth of Jesus was written by a man. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> there are so many, and then the baby was born. Like that's literally the sum up <laughs> of the experience of Mary. And I don't know, that's, wow. And Luke's a doctor. So I don't even know if it's just because he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like if it's so familiar to him or if it's just like awkward to talk about, I don't know. But there is this like sum up of the birth of Jesus that is just a little too easy uh, for what we know what must've went down. And this is the thing that being fully formed uh, by Jesus, this idea that we are all meant to be mothers of God, this idea that we have something in common with Mary, whether we're a male or a female or however we identify, we have something in common with Mary because what Mary is doing is showing us how to receive Christ, how to receive Christ. And so I wanna talk about just sort of these three laboring, like what does it mean to birth Jesus? What does it mean to receive Jesus and allow Jesus to be formed in you? Because I think this is a really important sort of strategy and explanation of how Jesus becomes central in our lives. And the first thing is the beginning. And that's that, back to that picture, you don't have to see that right now, but that picture of this announcement, the beginning of the journey for Mary was not when she gave birth to Jesus. It was when she received the news, when she opened her heart, when she actually said to God, so be it, right? So be it, so, so amen, yes to God, yes to this announcement of Jesus being formed in me. So the beginning is this invitation for us to receive Christ, to receive Christ. What's really fascinating about the beginning, speaking of which, is if you turn in your Bibles to the very first verse in Genesis chapter one, this is what it'll say. I love this so much. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, the Hebrews understood that, that that image of the spirit of God hovering over the, the waters in Hebrew, that's uh, the images of a mother bird about to give birth. That's what that is. There's a birthing that happens, the spirit of God, like a mother birthing the created order. Isn't that fascinating? And then the new created order, this new thing that God's doing, this new covenant that God's about to bring, this redemption of all the things that God had created, this making right of all the things that had gone wrong in the world is the spirit of God hovering over Mary, bringing life. I mean, what is happening? The beginning. So this is also really amazing because the circumstances that Mary's in to receive this news is all risk for her. To receive this news, it's risk of potential death for her. To receive this news to say, yes, may it be to me as you have spoken, is risk to her. This is a decentering of everything that she might've dreamed about in her life. This is like, we don't know. She doesn't know if she's gonna stay married or if her husband's gonna divorce her or if her husband is actually gonna stone her or have her stoned. But she knows none of these things. The circumstances are actually so dark. She's an oppressed person. She's part of an oppressed people group. She's like at the lowest pecking order of all of these things. And an angel, says, I, God sees you. You're highly favored and blessed among the people. The spirit of God hovers over her chaos and brings life there. And all Mary has to do is say, yes, may it be to me as you have spoken. And you know what I've been doing upon that, like thinking about that, like everything that can be shaken has be shaken, but the thing so that the thing that can't be shaken will be revealed. I've been thinking about that thing being revealed that person being revealed, Jesus being revealed. And I was thinking about the beginning of that for me. 
I want to encourage you to think about the beginning of that for you. Do you remember? Do you remember when you received the news that you were chosen, that you were blessed and highly favored, that God saw, was looking through all the earth and saw you in a moment and said, I love you, that I have a plan for you, that I'm inviting you to participate in what I'm doing, bringing new life on the inside of you and also through you into the world. Do you remember the moment? I remember it was, I was downtown uh, Toronto in City Hall in a holding cell as a juvenile delinquent in a lot of trouble, still still foggy with drug addiction in my mind, dead really on the inside, feeling absolutely nothing. And Jesus came to me there. I remember it. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I don't even really know how to describe this. I remember Jesus coming into that dark, chaotic, horrible place and wrapping his arms around me and whispering in my ear, I love you. And that encounter, now I didn't, I didn't, I was still sort of trapped in this religious idea that like if I would have to clean up my life now and like serve or something like that, it took me a long time to relax into the beloved calling that God had given me, to understand that this participation was like with Jesus, not for Jesus. It took me a long time. But in that moment, something began in me. Something began in me. In that moment, I became pregnant with the possibility of new life. In that moment, I received something the beginning of Christ being formed in me. And I want you to remember, can you remember that right now? When that happened for you, when a light went on, when an, a, an angel, some sort of light came to you and said, you, you're the one, you're the one, I see you. And you know, when, when God speaks about Mary in the scriptures being highly favored and blessed, sometimes our temptation, and actually over history, this has been true. We try to make Mary special. And I think Mary's special in her response to what God is doing. I think Mary's special in that she went first and understood things. You know, there's that, if you haven't seen that video of Mary, did you know? And that everyone's now like, yes, she knew, <laughs> right? She knew, she was the first one to know. Mary knew more than anyone else did, right? Mary was given the inside scoop. Mary knew, guys, I love the song, but like, I get it. <laughs> Mary knew, right? She knew because she said yes and something began in her and something, but do you remember when that started to happen to you? Because this is what I'm gonna ask you to do this week is I want you to keep coming back to that moment. Because that moment, that beginning moment, do you remember, I think about this a lot. How many times did Mary come back to that? When, the circum when they're on the road and she's about to give birth and there's nowhere to go and Joseph's still not sure and everyone's whispering about her. You remember both Elizabeth and Mary went to seclusion because this was really hard and they hid out for a while, not just because they were like pondering in their hearts and contemplative prayer warriors, because they were terrified. Because they were terrified. Because they were terrified because they couldn't control what other people thought. <laughs> Anyone? They couldn't control the narrative. They could hire PR firms and they still could not control the narrative. You cannot control those things, but here's what Mary would do. And here's what Elizabeth did for Mary actually on that road. Confirmed the word of God. Said, I know what's true above all other things. I know what's actually true in the midst of these things you cannot control. I know what's true, even though people are saying this about you. I know what's true. God did speak to you. God did begin something in you. This life, this Jesus is real and he speaks to you and he chose you and he says, I'm gonna do something new in you and through you in this world. I know that's true beyond all other things that I know are true. And I can let go of all the other things because I trust that one thing. 
I want you to do that. I want you to come back to the beginning over and over and over again. You ever do this with each other? This is a beautiful, if you're in home church this week and if you're not in home church, please be in home church. And here's just a shout out too. If you haven't said yes to God, if you have not said yes to Jesus, I wanna invite you that God sees you, that he loves you, that you are blessed and highly favored. Later on in the New Testament in Ephesians, Paul uses those exact same words to talk about the children of God. You are blessed. You are highly favored. God sees you and invites his work to be done in your heart. You can begin now to receive Jesus, to receive, to be pregnant with life and hope and truth, the beginning. I want you, even at home church, I want you to share when it all began for you. Because there's something that happens when you start to share, when you first encountered Jesus, when you first saw the light, when you first received Christ, there's something that happens. You know what happens? It reveals what's true in the midst of all the other things we can't control. There is a beginning, and that is what Jesus is doing, (laughs) hovering over our chaos, creating new life. Then there's the forming. And again, you know, we read the one verse that describes the birth of Christ, but you know, it takes a lot longer than that to have a baby. (laughs) And nine months isn't even right, it's 10 months, right? It's like they lie to you. I'm like, I got to nine months and I was like, come on. And they're like, there's another month. I was like, what? And I would speak to my children in my womb and say, I think you're ready. I think we can do this. I think you're ready. I promise to feed you on the other side of my body. Like, come on. Because one of the things that happens when you're pregnant, if you don't know men, this is great. This is good practice for you. And the apostle Paul actually refers to himself like a woman pregnant with, uh, with hope in the scriptures. That's how he describes when he's actually uh, intercess, uh, he's praying for the saints. And he's saying, I am praying like, like, like a woman in childbirth. I'm praying like a woman in labor that Christ would be fully formed in you. What? That you, so he's praying as though he's in childbirth, but what he's in labor for is that you would be fully pregnant. It's like, man, this guy is, is really secure in his masculinity. <laughs> I, he's amazing. It's amazing that Paul's been so twisted to be uh, anti-women when a lot of his imagery is so filled with the feminine. But this forming, this takes a long time. The first three months often of pregnancy is fraught with difficulty, by the way. Most women are really sick. Your blood, your body is literally transforming uh, with a foreign person inside of you. I remember the first ultrasound I had of my firstborn, I was like, I am growing a transformer. <laughs> like, and I would have dreams of like aliens or like puppies or like a random because your, your hormones are out of control. Do you know that your body actually produces, a woman's body produces six extra pounds of blood pumping through her body just for the, to form the baby properly. Six extra pounds of blood. Can you imagine just pump? That's why women often feel like this when they're pregnant, <laughs> like sluggish, everything's swelling. I mean, you are not well. <laughs> oh, maybe this is just revealing too much of my own experience of, <laughs> of pregnancy. But if it's not clear to you, I did not like it. I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I would meet friends of mine who would say, this is the best time of my life. And I always remember going, you need to get a better life. (laughs) This is the worst. Like my body's taking over. Like I'm no longer in charge. That was so hard. I'm not in charge of my body. (sighs) You understand where this is going? That new life that begins to form in you 
begins to take over. Jesus has this, this pattern of taking over. <laughs> you remember Jesus appeared in the Old Testament in, in, into a warrior situation and the warrior said, are you on our side? Are you with us or are you with them? And Jesus is like, ah, oh, yeah, you're not getting it. <laughs> I'm not with anyone. I am my own thing. I'm here to take over. That fully formed, I'm here to take over. I'm, I'm here to be fully formed in you. And that takes time and that takes relationship and that takes intention. And when you're pregnant, you know what often, and this is probably what I really didn't like too, you have to slow down. You have to slow down. Your body begins to take over. Your body begins to say to you, I need you to slow down and eat more. <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to listen to me. Jesus begins to be formed in us. And the whole point of this Christmas challenge is to actually be intentional about, about allowing Jesus to be formed in us, to grow on the inside of us, to begin to actually take the center stage. And you know what else happens when, when, when you're pregnant and when Jesus is being formed in you? You begin this really beautifully deep relationship. And it's kind of the weirdest thing because like, like I told you, your baby kind of looks like Skeletor. You know, it's not like you look at an ultrasound and go, oh, you kind of look at an ultrasound and go, <laughs> and yet you start to bond. You start to bond in ways that are inexplicable. As a matter of fact, they're absolutely inexplicable, but you start to bond at a, at a deep cellular level. You know, I want you to think about that in your relationship with Christ. Are you bonding? Is he taking over? Is he beginning to actually slow you down and say, hey, right now there's a lot of things happening in your life, but actually what matters most is me. This is one of the great things and hardest things about being pregnant is that your life begins to be taken over by another. And the truth is in that, in that process, somewhere in the middle of there, that baby matters most. And you begin to realign your life, your habits, your patterns, your tastes, your diet, your pace around this new life in you. Would you say that's happening in your life with Jesus? Because if we're talking about discipleship in the ways of Paul, it should, it should. <laughs> Galatians 4.19 is where Paul says, I'm yearning, longing, my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And then the final uh, stage of pregnancy is where we picked up in the scriptures here and that's the birthing. Now, <laughs> I, looked, I, I actually looked up a website because I was gonna share real life um, women talking about birthing, like for real life, like what it was really like. And then I was like, I can't share that. It's like traumatizing. <laughs> it's like too much. Like I just can't. It's like, it feels like a bowling ball on your spine was one of them. Like it feels like being ripped out from the inside of you. Like it was all, I was just like, yeah, okay, that needs to come with a warning. And uh, so the birthing, literally it's the death. It's the, it's, this is death. The only way to describe birth is like death to self. 
It's, it's literally the only way, death to self. And if anyone has been in a birthing room or a birthing situation, you know this, right? Especially if you're the husband, like you're, like you're the person that needs to die, <laughs> right? Like this is all your fault. Like this, this is like, ah, like women do weird things in birth, right? Like there's, and, and I want you to think about this for Mary. Like she's, uh, in, in our birthing concept in the Western world, we've gotten so, so much better at maternal care and maternal health. But even in the Western world, there's a chance that birth could kill you. This is how serious this is. If there's a complication, if there's something that goes wrong, this is so serious, this is so transformational that it could literally kill you. In, in other parts of the world where the medical community isn't in supportive places and they don't have the technology and stuff, this is still a high risk for women to give birth. It's still a high risk. In that time, imagine, Mary, a teenage girl, your risks increase exponentially the younger you are when you give birth. She's a teenage girl in an occupied territory in a place where there's no medical uh, community. Probably not even a midwife, it would seem in, ter in terms of the circumstances of where they were. And she's giving birth, probably in the bottom side of a guest house, part of her family or somebody's family where the animals are, but also where there's a place. She's probably doing that. And, and she's trying to figure out how to survive this. And as that's happening, now, some churches have designed whole theologies around it, how it was painless because it was Jesus, you know, which I think is to miss the point entirely. I think it can be painful because it's Jesus. I think that process of birth, that death to self requires a willingness to go, to, to go through a painful process of surrender, to labor in surrender, to let go to decenter, to be willing to go the distance so that Christ could be born. Every parent here knows that there is a before children and then there's an after children. Am I right? There's a before children, which is like up to you. And then there's an after children, which is no longer up to you. What's happening? What's happening in the before children and the after children? The center changes. The center changes. Before children, it was really centered on me, right? I mean, it was centered on Jesus, yes, yes. But you know what I mean? My patterns, my decisions, my late nights, you know, that late night was like my choice because I could sleep in. That's no longer a reality, right? Before children, after children. This is a real thing. If you're a parent, you understand this completely. And the same thing is true of Christ. When he's fully formed in you, when Christ is given birth, when that fullness has come, there is a full surrender in that moment where your life no longer centers around you. The center has now become about this life. The center now becomes about Jesus. I don't know where you are in this process of Christ being formed in you. I'm with the apostle Paul. You know, when he says in 2 Corinthians, the old has come and the new has come. When this is, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? This, this idea that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. This is that I've been crucified. I've been fully surrendered so that now my life revolves around a different center. This is what that means. I don't, I don't know what stage you are. Maybe you're at the beginning, like I said, and you're just literally receiving the news that you are blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an awesome takeaway? I pray you'd know this news more than ever before. You are blessed and highly favored. The Lord calls you a friend, whether you're a saint or a sinner, by the way, <laughs> you're a friend of God. Would you receive that new birth inside of you? 
this promised one, Jesus. This forming, this allowing Jesus to begin to take over your thoughts and your life, your body, your actions, your decisions. Even this week, I'm praying for you. And maybe you're at that painful part of fullness of total surrender where you realize there is no more you in this thing. You have got to give over entirely, an act of full surrender to the purposes and will of God, to decenter yourself forever to center the person of Christ. First time I gave birth, I thought I would never do this again. And I used to look at women who had several children and go, you're a crazy Insane, you must be insane. Have you lost your mind? And then I grew in love for my son. And what happened was the life of my son began to eclipse the pain of birth. You know, this is the same with Jesus. The love for Jesus begins to eclipse the cost. Paul says this later on in the scriptures where he says, all of the things I've had to pay, all of the costs associated with following Jesus are nothing compared to the glory of Christ, compared to the, the real glory of Christ, the essence of who Jesus is. All of that pain surrounding this story is nothing because of the life of Christ. I'm praying God will help us and remind us in all those things. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'm gonna invite you to do another breathing prayer just as we end. And I'm gonna invite you to take a deep breath in. Christ in me and a deep breath out the hope of glory. Deep breath in, Christ in me. And a deep breath out, the hope of glory. One more, Christ in me. The hope of glory. And God, we're trusting you in these days. To whom else would we go? When everything is shaking, you remain unshaken, a foundation. You have chosen us to receive you. Would you be fully formed in us? Would you find us like Mary, even though we are confused and alone and scared and out of control? Would you hover over us? Would you be fully formed in us? Would you help us to say yes to you, to be fully surrendered, to be centered completely on you? Would you eclipse the pain? Would you eclipse our fear? Would you eclipse our doubt? Would you eclipse our uncertainty and be center stage? Yeah, we love you. We trust you. We put all our hope in you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.